listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered them, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you, if you would prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you peace. Amen. Oh boy, first Sunday of Lent. We're what, four days into it? How's it going? (laughs) We've still got a ways to go till Easter. So here we are. And once again, the readings and the prayers of the liturgy of the church are just magnificent. And uh, I just absolutely love these readings today. Very, very important readings. We have the story of the fall, the original sin, Adam and Eve, the garden, the serpent, the forbidden fruit, um, et cetera, et cetera. Just a, a, an extremely famous and well-known story. And we have the story of Jesus after his baptism, but before his public ministry, he's led by the Holy Spirit for a 40-day retreat in the desert, praying and fasting. And then there's that combat with the devil. So the the theme that comes out of the readings today, which is such a great theme for the beginning of Lent, it is spiritual combat, that the devil is real, And he tries to get us away from God. And so it is a normal aspect of spiritual life to do combat, to do battle with the evil one. Um, It's a little bit intense, a little bit scary. I know in recent times, there's a number of exorcists who are kind of going public. It used to be that a priest who was called to that ministry kind of kept it secret and they didn't want the identity getting out there. But it seems to be because of the, the prevalence of evil in our world some of these uh, exorcists are writing books and there's podcasts and videos and and they're trying to um, teach people to understand this aspect better so that we can be equipped to fight the battles we need to fight. Um, and so this is very profound and rich material for our reflection. Um, so we don't want to misunderstand that um, every little thing is the devil. That would be kind of a unbalanced, but he is real and he does try to get us away from God. Um, I'll never forget my time on pilgrimage going to the Holy Land. 
There is a monastery now. Can you believe this? There is a monastery in the place where Jesus did his retreat. It's called the Mount of Temptation. And you uh, can stand below and you can look up and you see this monastery. And um, evidently, you could go up and do a retreat there. I, you know, can you imagine? <laughs> Whoa. And um, there's a cable car that goes up now and a little off from where the monastery is, there's a little visitor center. And uh, the first time I was there down below looking up the Mount of Temptation, this these uh, caves where there's a monastery, and uh, somebody asked me, Father, what's that big modern building, that new building right there next to it, you know, where the cable car goes? And I said, I don't know. Maybe it's a casino. <laughs> you know, you think about what kind of temptations. Maybe there's a casino. Maybe it's a house of ill repute. Maybe it's a Dairy Queen. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> temptation. There, There's where it happens. Okay. Um, so spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. Um, and, and again, we know that Jesus, let me say this at the beginning. Jesus has won the victory. So we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to, you know, think that maybe evil is going to win. Wrong. God wins. Jesus won. The Lord has the victory to the degree that we're with the Lord. We have nothing to be afraid of. So I think Hollywood has done a great disservice with some of the movies about exorcism. It's been kind of like glamorized and, and so many things are in the more popular movies were so incredibly wrong. We have the Lord. We have his grace. We have nothing to worry about, but we do need to be aware. Now, here's what's interesting with the story of the first sin, Adam and Eve, and the eating of the forbidden fruit. The Catechism says that this is a real event, but it's given to us in symbolic and figurative language. So that the, the story there kind of reveals to us something actually about every temptation and every sin. And with the Lord going into the desert to do the, the spiritual warfare, he is reversing the original sin. Jesus is the new Adam. And whereas the first Adam rebelled against God, the new Adam, Jesus is obedient to God and trusts in God. There's one temptation that I'd like to highlight for today where the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones be turned to loaves of bread. And then Jesus replies from a quote from the book of Deuteronomy, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. What is happening there? What is the tactic of the devil? Jesus is hungry from fasting. He's trying to trick Jesus into using his miraculous powers to supply some bread. And Jesus, if you look at the quote that Jesus quotes all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter eight, you look at the context of that quote. It has to do with the manna that God gave the people as they journeyed through the desert. And it has to do with the idea that God is going to provide what you need. You don't have to grasp it yourself. You don't have to rely on your own strength. You don't have to be the one who makes it happen. Rather, in humility, you trust that God will provide. That's clearly not on the radar for Adam and Eve, right? They, they don't think God is going to provide. And so they sin. The people in the desert grumble against God. And so they sin and now the devil is trying to trick Jesus into not trusting in God. And Jesus's response is so interesting. Not by bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. God will provide. God is trustworthy. I think this is most interesting because Jesus will speak the word of God over the bread at the Last Supper. 
And he will turn a loaf of bread into himself that we could receive in Holy Communion. The word that comes forth from the mouth of God says, this is my body given for you. And so the new manna, the new fruit of the tree of life that we can eat and live forever that God would provide comes to a profound point in Holy Communion, in the Eucharist, spiritual food. When we receive Jesus in communion at Holy Mass, if we have an open heart, Jesus will provide the grace we need for whatever temptation we're battling. That is beautiful and profound. So a little story to share with you to kind of bring home the point, and it's a little embarrassing. So as I was praying over these readings, I had this memory, which I want to share with you. So when I was a young man, and I was discerning my vocation, and I was really zealously seeking God's plan for my life, I was back home in small town Indiana, and I would be going to daily Mass. And um, there weren't many young people going to Mass. So all the old church ladies had a very high opinion of me. <laughs> and they would say things to me like, "Do you have you thought about becoming a priest? Like, yes, I'm actually praying about it right now. Um, and, and then you would start getting compliments about what a good person you were, and, and you're at Mass, and you're praying with reverence and devotion, and, and you're praying the rosary, and we think we may have seen a brown scapular peeking out from your shirt collar. Okay, wow. And so you start thinking that you're really something. And I go to a really good Catholic university for my undergrad. I did really well in school. I did really well in theology. And I graduated with a degree and with an attitude that I knew it all. <laughs> so there I am. I'm kind of like the spiritual all-star of my hometown. It's like, there's never been a priestly vocation from our parish. You'll be the first one. And then uh, on the inside, you're like, really? So then I go to New York City, to the Bronx, to join the friars. And now I'm a postulant. A postulant is what we call a freshman friar. That's the first stage. You are a newbie. And within two days, I realized <laughs> I was no longer the all-star that stood out amongst all the other godless young people who never went to church. Now I'm in the midst of a group of guys who love Jesus more than I do. And it's like, whoa. And uh, the Lord, um, in that experience of being with the community and praying a lot more than I'd ever prayed, rubbing elbows with people that I didn't choose to be with and try trying to serve Jesus in the poor, who could often be quite trying, <laughs> slowly begin to realize there had been some bait from the devil that I had bitten, and it's a secret form of pride, thinking that somehow we're good and we don't really need God. Um, I don't think I would have said it that way, but looking back, I realized that idea had taken hold in my heart. Um, I know uh, Brother Pius and his dad like to go fly fishing, and if you know anybody who does fly fishing, there's this whole debate about what sort of bait do you put on the, the string to, to, to get the fish. And you stand there like this, and it just touches the top of the water. Anybody here do fly fishing? Okay, you know, and it's like you try to figure out those, what the fish will go for, right? It's, the devil is like that, you know? The, the Lord calls us to be fishermen. The devil's like, I can fish too. And he knows just that bait to put on there to, like, get you, you know? And, and he got me. He got me. And it was the sin of self-sufficiency. You know, 
because of all the compliments I'd received and because of how well I did in studying theology, I had developed an attitude where I thought I really knew everything and that secretly I wasn't in touch with my need for God. You know, I wasn't spiritually hungry or thirsty. And so the Lord allows you to struggle because in the struggle, there is much grace. In the struggle, we get to get in touch with who we really are, that we are sinful and that we need God's grace. We need his help. We can't do it on our own. And that's why sinning and struggling is a normal part of the spiritual life. It really is a normal part. And I'll remember going to confession, which I can talk about it because I was the one going to confession. Okay. So I'm a postulant. The, I had this big balloon head and the Lord had popped the balloon. Okay. And I was being humbled and I realized maybe I had, I wasn't as advanced in the spiritual life as I had thought. And I remember being upset. I remember going to confession. I remember confessing the sins that I had confessed before. Here I am again, you know, and I remember the priest saying to me something so profound. And it was like one of those moments where the, the word coming forth from the mouth of God was like an arrow that just hit the bullseye. Woo, and the bullseye was right here in my heart. And the priest says to me, are you ready for this? Um, God bless this priest. He must have had a lot of courage to say this to somebody. He says to me, are you sorry that you sinned or are you sorry that you're not perfect? <laughs> you know, and it was like, is this Padre Pio on the other side? You know, like, somebody's reading my soul here, you know, that that even in our repentance of sin, it can happen. That's what, what's really happening is we're upset that we're not perfect. We're upset that we need God, that we're upset that we can't do it on our own, that somehow we're not going to get the gold medal, right? You know, um, so praise God, huh? The grace of humility, the grace of spiritual combat to become uh, more aware of how we need God, but not only that we need God, but that God provides. The Lord is trustworthy and he provides everything we need. And that is particularly true in Holy Communion, that we come forward at Mass to receive the bread, become Jesus that he wants to be in communion with us and that we would be spiritually nourished. Why does he choose to come under the appearance of bread and wine? It's food, it's drink. He wants to be our sustenance. He wants to be our source of strength. He wants to give us his grace. And if only we would be humble and open enough to receive that grace that he wants to give us so that we can fight the battles we need to fight and that we could grow in virtue and in humility and make our way through this desert, make our way through this life, navigating the things that we have to navigate, the situations, the relationships, the struggles, the imperfections that are here, to be encouraged by the grace of the Lord. That is what the Lord is telling us this weekend. Um, there'll be a little more about that during the holy hour after Mass, if you're able to stay. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. Take me deeper into you. Make my flesh life melt away. 
Make me like a precious stone, crystal clear and finely honed. Life of Jesus shining through, giving glory back to you. Reading from the first letter of St. Peter, chapter 2. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, so that through it you may grow into salvation. For you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it shall not be put to shame. Therefore, its value is for you who have faith. But for those without faith, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that will make people stumble and a rock that will make them fall. They stumble by disobeying the word, as is their destiny. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Welcome, my friends. One feels the temptation to be annoyed at the crying of the baby. But then we have this passage of scripture to receive the word of God like a baby who receives milk. So we welcome that baby. Benvenidos, siempre, always welcome. Muy bien. Um, praise God, huh? What a gift to be in the presence of Jesus here. There's a moment in the Mass the priest holds Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And it's almost as if the, the wisdom of Holy Mother Church, we have that moment extended before us. Jesus is lifted above we can pause and ponder to be in his presence. Um, certainly, one of the strongest temptations of the devil in today's world is noise. Noise, just being bombarded with noise, activity, movement. So to have an effort at being still and silent turning off the noise to the degree that we can, <laughs> to be in the presence of the Lord. 
to pray in the presence of the Lord, to spend time with the one who loves us the most. That's my favorite title for Jesus, the one who loves us the most. So this little meditation is connected to my homily. You probably picked that up with the reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, all this talk of you've tasted that the Lord is good. That has to have some reference to the Eucharist where we receive Jesus, we taste him, but also this language of the stone from Isaiah 28, the stone rejected by the builders, but precious, precious in the eyes of God, chosen to be the cornerstone and that we too become living stones in Jesus, the precious cornerstone. Isn't that something? My prayer this morning, I just felt that this reading from 1 Peter complements the gospel today so well. And then this old charismatic song, which takes the words of scripture. And I think it's the perfect response to what God is saying to us today. Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. Make my flesh life melt away. That's a reference to Romans chapter 8. St. Paul describes our sinful human nature as the life in the flesh. Make me like a precious stone. There it is, the precious stone. Isaiah 28, 1 Peter 2. We come to the Lord as we are, huh? I can come no other way. I love that prayer. Jesus, who took our humanity, he united himself to our humanity. The redemption isn't just the forgiveness of sin. There's something much more happening in Jesus. The new Adam. It's a recreation. And every aspect of our humanity is to be healed. Is to be healed. That sin has done damage. And it's not just a simple forgiveness, but there's a deeper healing of our entire humanity, our body, our soul, our intellect, our mind, and our will. Jesus came to redeem and heal and transform every aspect of our humanity. It's one of my favorite passages from a Vatican II document. The Church in the Modern World, paragraph 22, that it is only in the light of the Word incarnate that the mystery of man becomes clear. Our humanity, what it means to be human, it only becomes clear in the light of Jesus. And I love this prayer, Jesus take me as I am. Those words give an expression to complete and total gift. We come to before the Lord here right now. And uh, we, we bring to him everything, kind of the opposite of Adam and Eve who ran and hid. Today we have the opportunity to come to him and not hide. Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. Take me deeper into you, the precious stone. True God and true man, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Liberator, the one who loves us most, Jesus. He fills us with his grace.
the word that comes forth from the mouth of God, spoken over the bread, this is my body. The stone which has become bread, the bread which has become flesh, to heal the flesh of humanity. Make me like a precious stone, crystal clear and finely honed. Life of Jesus shining through, giving glory back to you. How beautiful. We invite you this time of prayer to join me in singing these precious words. Then we'll have a moment of silence uh, to before benediction. And in the moment of silence, we just invite each one of us here to come to Jesus just as you are. Whatever might be happening in your life right now, the worries occupying your mind, the fears occupying your heart, the struggles and difficulties, we bring all of it to Jesus. Amen. been listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans Thank you.